This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So welcome again to New Church Live. This is part of our five things God wants for your family. And to get us kind of like loosened up with a big loud ask, ask what are they? I'm going to tell you, here are five. All right, what does God want? Courage. He wants courage. He wants us all to have courage in our families. He wants us to have joy. That's what we looked at last week. And by the way, were the kids great last week in their little dance? They were just, they were terrific. They were terrific. Today, we're looking at belonging. Next week, play. And the last week, freedom. Belonging is such, is such an important one because I think there's a universal human experience of two things. There's many universal human experiences, but these are two of them. One is feeling like we don't belong. Could you please all raise your hands? <laughs> you know, we, we all have that time where we feel like we really don't belong. You know, that's why I started out with the junior high school question, because a lot of us may have felt at that time it was just as bad as it could possibly be. And I imagine there's some other times like that too in our lives. And then we have these other times where we feel this deep sense of belonging. So not belonging, belonging. And how is it that we help, we ask God to kind of help us to bridge that division? Because I think belonging is so much the experience, the worthwhile experience of family, however you define it, could be biological or not, and so much the experience of home, and so much the experience of heaven. Now, now to get us started thinking about how God might handle that, I want to play you a clip from the movie Evan Almighty, where God is having a little discussion with a mother about how life works and how God actually works. And you gotta, get a, you gotta see some of the little jokes, like pay attention to his name tag, pay attention to what he serves her, all right? Take a look at this video clip. Oh, excuse me, can I get a refill, please? Coming right up. Excuse me, are you, are you all right? Yeah. No, it's a long story. Well, I like stories. I'm considered a bit of a storyteller myself. My husband? Have you heard of New York's Noah? <laughs> the guy who's building the ark. That's him. I love that story. Noah and the ark. You know, a lot of people miss the point of that story. They think it's about God's wrath and anger. They love it when God gets angry. What is the story about then, the ark? Well... I think it's a love story about believing in each other. You know, the animals showed up in pairs. They stood by each other, side by side, just like Noah and his family. Everybody entered the ark side by side. But my husband says God told him to do it. What do you do with that? Sounds like an opportunity. Let me ask you something. If someone prays for patience, you think God gives them patience? Or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? If they prayed for courage, does God give them courage? Or does he give them opportunities to be courageous? If someone prayed for the family to be closer, do you think God zaps them with warm, fuzzy feelings? Or does he give them opportunities to love each other? Enjoy.
that's a, that's a powerful clip because it's talking about the idea that God gives us the opportunity. I mean, isn't that interesting? Like that prayer is always answered. If you pray for whatever, God will give you the opportunity to have that thing, be that courage or joy or belonging, more belonging in your family. I, I think to set this up, I want to step over here and, and, and comment a bit about, you know, maybe some ways we can start to hold it, I think, that will give us some, some edges to this conversation. So I'm going to step over here for a minute. How many of us, first off, remember this toy? I remember, yes, I remember that well. We had them all over. I remember stepping on these. We had five kids. So take a look at this, folks. Beautiful idea. So there's, there's fitting in and belonging. Let's say those together. Ready? Fitting in. Good. So, so fitting in is when we want to be part of something, belonging when others want us to be part of it. Now, here's the, here's the piece of it. So Brene Brown, I was listening to a talk she did. And she was talking about how she was interviewing these seventh grade girls, and they were, they, they're the ones who came up with this definition. The fitting in was then when they saw a group, a junior high school group, and they were trying to be part of it. That's what fitting in was like. Is fitting in kind of hard, yes or no? Yes, it's very hard. But belonging, something far different. I think of, of this example, and you know, just a real, a real simple example here is we've all heard the, fa- the phrase, right? Square peg through a round hole. And, and I, I think it's kind of like that. Like, like the fitting in means that there's only one shape, right? And that we actually have to fit into that. And it doesn't work terribly well. Does this resonate with you folks? You know, and, and, and the only way to do it is to feel like we somehow have to contort ourselves to be a certain shape, and it feels totally unnatural. It feels not like us, somehow. And God's always wanting to be returning us to our best selves. Can I give you a little way out there quote to ponder for the week? The quote is this, God is closer to you than you are to yourself. God is closer to you than you are to yourself. Because I think we get lost in that kind of that, that, that contortionist exercise, and I'm certainly not flexible enough to be a contortionist. What belonging says is belonging says there's all kinds of, all kinds of shapes, like, like that, our, that our families, our communities are filled with all kinds of shapes. So yeah, I may not be able to fit in here, but actually I can fit in here and belong. So it's about how do we create all those different sizes and shapes to be able to do it. That's the difference between fitting in and belonging. Now I'm going to step back over here. There's obviously challenges with that as well. Like how do we actually do that? Because I think a question that a lot of us, if we flip the next slide, a question that a lot of us struggle with, did you ever feel like you didn't belong in your own family? How much have ever felt like they actually didn't belong in their own family? That's, that's tough, right? And, and I don't mean to like cast aspersions on parents. I'm sure if my five kids were here, they would all raise their hand having a moment where they didn't feel like they fit. I think that's a universal experience. It doesn't mean good parent or bad parent. It just is a what is. It's sometimes we feel like we didn't belong to our family. I was the one, we, we, had, a, we had a family of five kids. Uh, I was the one kid with blonde hair who liked hunting and fishing. You know, and that was, that made me feel times a little out. Other moments I remember distinctly not feeling like I quite fit in because my interests were just a little bit different than what some of my other siblings were. But over time, I've come to see it more and more like that. 
that there's all these different shapes and how do we fit in? Now, one of the challenges, and I want to give you a little meaty part here, one of the challenges can be this. Let's say, this, let's say the title there, the comparison, the comparison trap. We can fall into comparisons with our siblings, you know, and, and that can be really challenging sometimes. I mean, I always like sports. Trying having a brother who is a faster swimmer than you who's younger, just saying. You know, that can be a challenge. In this comparison trap, this is how it can work. And this can actually become part of the challenge to belonging. What we do is we pick an arbitrary domain of comparison. So, so in our families, communities, or schools, we pick this thing. And it's like, this is just this arbitrary thing. We're going to judge everyone on this. In other words, brain power or athletic proclivity or, you know, you name it. You pick just one thing and you say, this is the basis on which all comparisons are made. The second one, we ask as if that one domain is the only one that's relevant. So this is the only thing that matters, this one particular thing. And I think, folks, you probably can remember that feeling back in high school where there was that one thing that it felt like you had to have this thing, you know, in order to fit in. Like there was this one comparison that you had to have. And if you did, you were in. And if you didn't, you were out. Number three, we rate ourselves and others according to that one criteria. So we hold that up. We judge everything by it. And so we create imaginary evidence of the fundamental injustice, unfairness of life. <laughs> and that's kind of the kicker. And I don't think everybody does that four step. I mean, I could do the first three and then four step for me was just be miserable. But I think for some of us, we can hold that up and we can be like, oh, this just shows you how unfair life is. I mean, just imagine going back home in junior high school, telling your parents how unfair life is because these, this is what all the popular kids did. You know, it's that, that same kind of thing. So to, to change it, we have to have a different way of seeing it. We have to kind of see the criteria. Different. We have to see it as many shapes. As Emanuel Swedenborg said, like in a beautiful line, he said, heaven becomes more perfect with the addition of every angel. Isn't that interesting? Heaven becomes more perfect. Didn't say more crowded or less room on the bus. Said heaven becomes more perfect with the addition of every angel. That's powerful. Now, if you have your phone and you want to take a picture of this next slide, this is a great little summary of your task for the week as we work past the comparison trap. It's this. We walk into a room and wonder if we belong. Jesus walks into a room and loves what he finds there. I love that idea. That, that we walk in and we're always going through this belonging and this criteria and how does this criteria work? And Jesus gives something very different. He, he just says, look, just love what you find there. I mean, just imagine living in that place. Imagine going to a, to a wedding where you don't know anybody or any kind of event where you don't know a lot of people. And instead of that chatter in our heads of like, do I belong? Do I belong? Do I belong? How many of us deal with that chatter all the time? Do I belong? Where do I fit in? Some of us are very relieved because there's a buffet line we can go back to 20 times to pretend we're busy. But imagine a different way of seeing it. Imagine just trying as best we can to imitate Christ's model 
of just simply loving what we find there. It's a very different place. Very different place. Now, I want you folks to get a chance to hear from some people about, about how this belonging can actually work in a family. Now, it's interesting. We, we have a couple of families that we, we've, we're going to be doing panels with, one today and one a little bit later on in the series. And, and it was great because both these families I asked, both of them were like, Chuck, just you know, my family isn't perfect. And I said, that's why I'm asking you. Because I think all of our families are not perfect, right? Can I get an amen on that one? Yes, you know, and, and that's the whole point is that none of us has the perfect family. None of us has it all figured out. But what we try to do as best we can, I say this many times, so important, is to deliver our best intentions on God's behalf. How do we try to live into the intentionality of creating belonging? Because this is what I think, folks. I know for me, I imagine it's true for some of you, some of the times the hardest people to extend belonging and love to are the people I love the most, those closest to me. So what I imagine to be true is that if we can create belonging in our families, and here I don't just mean biological, I mean extended families as well, relatives, friends who we consider family. If we can do that, then the ripples of kinship go out into the world and community grows, love grows, and service grows. But it's gotta start somewhere. And what a better place to have it start than in our families. So with that, I'd ask you please to give a warm round of applause as I invite up some of the Hibs tribe to come forward for a little panel. Well, great to see you guys. So Alana saw two seats, and she's like, I'm getting the third. So good to have you here. Good to have you. So I'll let you folks just introduce yourselves and just give kind of a little background, then I'll ask you some questions. Uh, I'm George Hibbs, and this is my daughter, Amber. That's Alana. There are some of my families out there. Two others are at college, and, uh, you know, I'm a Flyers and Cowboys fan. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, my name's Amber. I'm the oldest daughter, and I don't know. That's all. Amber, Amber, there's also some very good news you have coming up. That... Okay. Um, I'm getting married next June 2019, and Chuck is marrying us. Hi, I'm Alana, and uh, my high friend, Jason, my mom, we have a, um, my friend, Jake. Great, Alana, great to have you here. Great to have you here, great to have you here. So, so for all of us here, folks, you know, I just, I just invite us to take a couple of breaths together, all right? Just take a couple of breaths, just breathe in. Breathe out. Because we want to honor the fact that, you know, when we talk about belonging, it's a little vulnerable. It's a little challenging. And I just want to honor you folks for, like, the bravery of sitting up here and appearing before an Internet audience of millions. Just not kidding. It's just not millions. <laughs> but, but, you know, it, it is important. Like, like so, so conversation means to live with. So we have to have these conversations about what belonging means. 
Because that's how we learn to actually live with each other. How we learn to truly listen to one another coming into our lives in all their fullness. So with that, what I want us all to do is to just, just take a breath, take another breath. And I want us and I want you folks, I'm going to let you guys, and you folks answer this too. I want you to think about a time where you really experienced or a place where you really experienced non-belonging. So the kids out there, that's great. You know, <laughs> feeling like they're belonging. You know, where you really felt like non-belonging. Felt like I just didn't fit. I just didn't fit. So keep that in your mind. We're going to look at that, and then we're going to look at the opposite of that, a much better opposite. So George, share with us a time where you felt like, man, I just have this feeling of non-belonging. Uh, I would say, actually, it was junior high. And, uh, you know, I, I struggled with school. And I remember the teacher saying, you know, what's your problem? You know, what's wrong with you? Like, why can't you be like everybody else? And my reaction was, you know, I can't say it here, but, <laughs> you know, I couldn't understand why yeah. I didn't belong. Yeah. And, you know, it bothered me. Right. Thank so, you. Um, I think mine would be when I started at a new school in third grade and um, everyone was, have, been, have been in school together since kindergarten and they were all best friends and, you know, my parents forced me to move to this new school and I was very angry with them and I felt very awkward and, but there was this one specific person who, you know, was like, um, helping me join in on her group. Mm -hmm. And now I, I'm still best friends with all of those girls. But when I first started there, it was very hard. A little, and, a little terrifying. Yes. And I just, as you're saying that, my palms are getting sweaty. Like even remembering <laughs> that, that changing schools, right? How terrifying that'd be. Lon, do you have one you'd like to share? Feel not mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Okay. Um, lady cover, touch up down from, um, my friend. That's great. And lady. Great. All right. Good job, good job, Lance. Good job, good job. So high school, Down syndrome, you know, it's just hard. Just hard. Great. So, so we have those, those feelings, folks, right? And are those, can we please get a big yes? Are those universal feelings? Yes. yes. And, and whether it's third grade, junior high school, high school, I mean, we got the whole thing covered, right? And doesn't, can't you go back to that in just one second? Like, just in a nanosecond, I go back there. I go back to standing on Iron Bridge Road. And again, our roads were not paved. I was that much out in the sticks. And there were, there were three boys who lived a couple of farms down from us. And I remember riding my bike halfway down this very big hill. And then all of a sudden, they took off. Deserted me there. And wow, do I still remember that to this day. You know, I'm 53 years old. And I still remember it to this day. So let's flip here a little bit. So that's the contrasting opposite. That's that feeling of not blind. Now, let's all take a breath. Let's take another one because I felt good. And I want you to think about a time, about a time you felt like you really belonged. 
You didn't feel you were contorting yourself to fit in. You felt like people wanted you there. You felt like you fit. Ready for this? You felt home. You felt home. You weren't nervous. You weren't anxious. You probably weren't even thinking about the thought of fitting in or not. You just simply were being. As Martha Graham would say, you were an athlete of God. The athletes of God wrestled and grew strong. They chose and they acted. Martha Graham. So I'm going to have you folks share a time you felt like you just really belonged. And George, you're not allowed to say when you took a tour of the Dallas Cowboys Stadium two weeks ago. All right? Uh, well, the, my story has to do with religion. Uh, I never felt like I belonged to a certain religion because, you know, the way I was brought up, it was punishing and everything you did wrong is because of a result of, you know, religion. Uh, so when we were looking for a high school for my son, uh, we had to take a meeting with Chuck and we talked about religion, everything. And I, I was upfront, honest, told him my whole life story, which is not perfect. And he accepted that. He accepted mm -hmm. me. And I walked out of there saying, this is where I belong. So we've been here since. You're going to make me cry. You could actually go with that elementary school story and name those friends <laughs> and what they did. I like that. That was good. Um, so I guess... When I first went to that school, I just remember feeling so much anger towards my mom and George because they forced me to do this and it was very uncomfortable and they were the meanest parents in the world. <laughs> um, but I remember, uh, and I did remember walking in and I saw kids like laughing at me and you know, looking at me and I just felt so sad and then when my next door neighbor, Jamie, you know, she had this um, circle of friends that sat together at recess and she said, Amber, come sit with us. And I felt, okay, like maybe mm. I can, maybe this will work. And I did feel like they were already close and I was an outsider. But the more that, you know, they had their birthday parties and they invited me and, you know, things just continued from there. I just started to feel more and more belonging. And then now... I'm getting married in June, and I have 13 bridesmaids, <laughs> which is ridiculous. But, the good Lord um, only needed 12, Amber. Yes. You didn't realize this. So. <laughs> so, yeah, it actually worked out pretty well. That's great. Great. I had friends, uh, friendship. I had my own letter, my bearing, and friends. Great. great. And... <laughs> My favorite, funny, my dad, my player phone, <laughs> and my mom dad, fight, my ball, my kiss, and embarrass me. There you go. Great. Give a round of applause, folks. <laughs> so, great job. Boom. So this is a wonderful family. And Amber, I'm going to totally put you on the spot. 
totally put you on the spot. So, so to, to the close of this circle, you know, we can see where that feeling of not belonging is. And we can see where the feeling of belonging is, which is preferable, folks. <laughs> belonging, right? Like this, just that feeling of belonging. We'll always be wrestling between the two, I think. I think it's just part of the, the tension of life. And, and how do we make it a creative tension so we create belonging and actually expand it? Now, to do that, I want you to, to just get a sense of, of, of some of the magic I sense in this family that I know, I know you guys will be like, yeah, we're not the perfect family. Get it. But you sure are a wonderful family. I will say that. And what I'd love to do, Amber, is totally put you on the spot and to say what you love about most about these two people right here, what you appreciate and love the most about these two right here. So um, I guess I could say that, you know, I am the stepdaughter. So my nickname growing up has always been Cinderella, and they joke about it because I'm the <laughs> wicked stepsister. <laughs> but, um, you know, George has always been like a real dad to me. You know, since I was one years old, he raised me and he took care of me. He hated all my boyfriends. He, <laughs> <laughs> he um, you know, he got me through high school. He got me through college. He moved me into college. You know, he's helping pay for my wedding, and he's the person that has been there through me, for me, through it all, and has never made me feel like um, the stepchild, even though my nickname's Cinderella. Um, <laughs> So, um, what was the question again? Yeah, that was, that was <laughs> um, really good. But yeah, so long story short, <laughs> I am an outsider, but I do feel like I belong. Great, so. great. And what about your sister here? What do you love most about her? So, um, we always make jokes that um, joke. my mom's favorite is my brother, my dad's favorite is my sister, Avery, and then my favorite is Alana. <laughs> and then... Alana's favorite is me. So, um, yeah, it's been great having this girl because I feel like she has taught me how to, you know, love people unconditionally no matter, you know, no matter who they are or what they are. And she just loves everybody she meets and she doesn't judge anybody and she always makes people feel like she belong they belong and she always will start the party she'll be the first person on the dance floor <laughs> to make people late. feel like they can come on up and join and thank you she's perfect thank you thank you thank you <laughs> folks please give them a round of applause thank you guys very much thank you you guys get a hug thank you So those panels, I don't even know why we, we should just do those every week. They're just so, just so good and so precious. Please give them another round of applause as the band comes out here, folks. Now, as, as the band comes out, if, if up in the booth, we could flip back to that last slide, the one about Jesus. You know, what we see when we work at family issues like that, and we work at families and we work at inclusion, we do get, when we walk in a room, wonder if we belong. Jesus walks in the room and loves what he finds there. Think about that with families. Think about that with what you just witnessed there. And know that God is always doing this. As the film clip said, God is always giving us the opportunity. Every day, 
we have that opportunity again. There's no, in God's world, there's no bottom of the ninth inning where the game's over. The game's eternal. The game's about connection. The game's about belonging. And always remember, the game is good. The game is good. So I want to read for you a story here, folks. And this one, you know, there's there's certain Bible stories I think that we have to read every year. Christmas, Easter, and the prodigal son. It's just a story about belonging. I'm actually not going to offer a lot of commentary, and I'm going to offer some. But this is one that's so transparent. And here's Jesus, and he's wrestling with, like, how do I get people to see how God wants to work in the world? How do I get people to see how I want to work in the world? How God wants to work through all of us. So he would tell stories. He would tell stories. And these stories are not like factual historical stories. They're these beautiful parables, as he would call them, or maybe myths, as we would call them. And it's not true because it happened. It's true because it happens over and over and over again. Could I get an amen? Because it happens over and over and over again. That's why it's true. So I want you just to listen. As best you can, just get your shoulders loose and just like, as best you can, just listen to the wonder of this story. There was a man who had two sons and the man here is is representative of God. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided, the father divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country And there squandered his wealth in wild living. In other words, he went to Las Vegas. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country. He began to be in need, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. Now, again, this is written for a Jewish audience, so to feed pigs was the lowest of the low because that was considered an unclean animal. So it's like you not only were feeding animals, you were feeding the most unclean of all the unclean animals. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out, go back to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So make me like one of your hired men so that he got up and went to his father. Beautiful, beautiful image here. And now we're going to pick up the story. After this picture, we're going to pick up the story here. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. So you have this picture that the father, this very well father, seeing this son, the prodigal son returning. And and here's the son. And he's like, he's he's, he's thinking, I I just have to completely humiliate, humble myself. I'm no longer worthy to be called this guy's son at all. I blew it. And here the father sees him. His reaction isn't, well, I told you so. Or I knew you'd be back. Or you better be sorry. His reaction was, time to celebrate. Time to celebrate. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. In other words, they're going to have a big barbecue. For this son of mine was dead and is alive. 
He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. Beautiful. Now the next slide. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded to him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your order. So here's this older son who's really annoyed that the father would do all these good things for his younger brother. Yet you never gave me even a young goat. That's a pretty funny line, by the way, there. You never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours... And I only preached on this a year ago because I believe in preaching on it every year. I love that line. But when this son of yours, he doesn't even say this brother of mine. He just says this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home. You kill the fatted calf for him. My son. And in here, folks, like you have to understand the gravitas of this moment. We know the one son is saved from his life of vice. We're never quite sure in this story if the other son is saved from his life of virtue. My son, the father said. And, and I, I picture him like being really deliberate with these words, like, my son. Take a breath. <laughs> my son. You're always with me. Everything I have is yours. Notice he doesn't go after the older son here either. It's arms that are welcoming both, the righteous and the unrighteous. But we had to celebrate and be glad because, and notice he flips it here, instead of this son of mine, <laughs> he goes right back to what's true. He said, and here I think he stops. Here I think he stops and he goes, and this brother of yours, <laughs> This brother of yours, this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. That is an amazing story. That's a story of true belonging. It's a story we all need to ask where we fit into it. I think so much of life that we do is, is our egos. Our egos want to do this. I have a picture of what our egos want to do. Our egos want to build. Our egos want to build. And usually they want to build pyramids. And who gets to be at the top, folks? Me. Yes, me. I get to be at the top. I say it all the time. We forget pyramids in the, ends, in the end are tombs. I say that a lot. Pyramid in the end are tombs. But we want to build it. You know, I consistently want to build pyramids where I get to determine all kinds of things. But that's not what souls want to do. Egos want to build. Souls want to grow. Egos want to build. Souls want to grow. And they want other people to grow as well. So as we close this, let's have a week thinking about it. And I really want to drive home how critically important belonging is, how it goes right to the core of who we are, right to the core of what God intends for us, right, right to the core of what calls us home.
So I want you to see here, I want you to see a video, and it's a beautiful video, and you're just going to see 30 seconds of why belonging matters so much. Take a look at this short little video. Careful open it up. I want you to read it. I'm going to be adopted? <laughs> we love you, sweetheart. We'll always be your parents. I love you so much. I love you. So that, folks, is a deeply moving video. The family not only adopted her, but adopted her younger sister and brother as well. And it's not that everything ends up perfect. I'm sure that family has the same glitches that all of our families does, do. But doesn't it speak to belonging? Can you see echoes of the prodigal son? Not that a little girl like that has done anything that would make her prodigal. But do you see that welcoming with open arms? So our task this week then, folks, is real simple. Where do I have the opportunity, going back to that video, where do I have the opportunity to generously extend belonging? Think about it in your families, biological or otherwise. Think about it in communities. And think about what that means in our church. Think about what that means in the world. Have a great week. So please join me for a final prayer. And before we do, can we just have one more round of applause for the Hibs? Is that what just wonderful stuff today? Thank you, guys. Actually, we've done a lot of improv stuff today. Would you guys mind hopping up here for the prayer with me? Excellent. You can get the whole crew up here, Heather. Heather, get on up. got to get in the light. There we go. All right. All right. So Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. And Lord, help us to have that sense of belonging in our lives. That sense that somehow it is beyond just the gymnastics to fit in, but that there's a welcoming out there into the world. A welcoming we saw with this family, a welcoming we experience in community, a welcoming hopefully that we find in this church. Lord, be with us. Help our eyes to open in those places where we can find community, those places where we can find communion, and help us to extend that sense of belonging, that sense of belonging that we share in you, that sense of belonging that is deep in our souls, that sense of belonging, a gift to all. In your name we pray, amen. There you guys go. Thank you. Please give him another round of applause, folks.
So a quick invite, please folks, as the band comes on out, please feel free to join us next week. You just get, as the band gets ready to go here on the last song, just have a moment of quiet reflection, thinking about, yeah, what could this look like for us to really have that prayer answer, that prayer of belonging, that prayer of kinship, that prayer that continues to expand outward. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 